Welcome to Christology, Jesus at the Center. My name is Minister Ty, and I'm here with my pal, Dave Nielsen. Pastor Phillips. Hey, hey man, it's, such, it's so good to be here. So good to be. Look, we're here to uplift the name of Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's why we say Jesus at the Center. So we're going to start off with a prayer. Minister Nielsen. <laughs> Father God Almighty, mighty God, you are a man of war. Exodus 15, verse 3 says, the Lord is a man of war, the Lord is his name, and we come before you in awe and boldly and humbly at the same time because you tell us that we can through Jesus. So we approach you, Lord God, and by your spirit, we ask for the power to give us the words and thoughts and actions to glorify your name, Lord God. We're not afraid anymore. We're not afraid anymore, and Lord, we can do all things through you, and we plan to. So be here, be present, Lord God, to your glory. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look, me and Dave have has come to the realization, Lord, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. Anything we can do, it's all about Jesus. We give, we've given our lives uh, to people. We've given it to, you know, different, different things in life. But at the end of the day, look, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him crucified. It's all about what he's doing on the, in this earth and what he's tasked us to do. He tasked us with this podcast, a little background concerning that, you know, in the beginning of 2023, I went to God and said, you know, God, what, um, what do you want me to focus on this year? I always try to get a mantra. I try to get something to go on for the year. And the Lord told me very clearly to focus on Jesus, focus on Jesus, get back to the point where you're focusing on Christ, him crucified and just knowing and learning about Christ, get into the parables, get into the, um, you know, everything that Christ has to offer. And then here I go, I run into my good friend Dave, and he says, hey, I'm about to start this class, uh, Christology 101. Would you like to join uh, the Bible study? And I instantly said, you know what? It's exactly, exactly what God has been telling me. So I leapt at the opportunity. And let me tell you something. After studying Christology, I learned so much about myself, my ministry, and where I've been going wrong. I don't need, I don't mean to say it like where the church has been going wrong because I can only look at myself. But at the end of the day, we need to focus back on Jesus. Jesus is just not a word that you say, church. I was just going to ask you, why do you think Paul always said Christ and him crucified? And the answer came as you were saying that because there is maybe a life of difference between knowing him and, and knowing of him. Paul says that I may know of him and the power of his resurrection. And Jesus comes with so much power. The power that Christ offers us is for us. That's what grace is. Grace is the divine nature of God through Jesus Christ. Paul says it all the time. Paul said, he said in uh, Philippians 1 verse 2, yep. he says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. Those are two positions. A lot of people, they just say those words. A lot of people want to get to the rest of the Philippians and rest of the letter. But Paul imparted two things. He imparted grace and he imparted peace. But he also imparted those things from two positions. One, from the position of a son. He said, God, the father. If God is my father, that means I'm an heir to his divine nature. And that's where a lot of people go wrong. They say, they, they'll say, God, they say, father, father, father. But they don't recognize when you say father, me, what, what you're saying in essence is, I'm your son. I'm your heir. <laughs> you know, when God created man in Genesis 1, he says, what? Let's create man after our own image, after our likeness. So we have a whole lot more. We have a whole lot more that we can offer this world as man. Hebrews said that Jesus did not take on the form of an angel. He took on a form as a man. 
Why? So he can redeem man, but also man is the principal thing over angels. But also the second position, and this is important, the second position is from the Lord Jesus Christ. The position is Jesus as Lord. Jesus Christ isn't just, you know, he's not just the story of Jesus, a guy who lived, died on the cross, rose on the third day. He's a living God, and he's our Lord. Currently living. Yes. Every time we see in the Bible, it says the Lord Jesus, it should allow us to raise the question, is Jesus my Lord? And if he's your Lord, and if you recognize God as your Father, you have the right to impart grace and peace. When you pray for people, make sure you pray from the position of God as Father and Jesus as Lord, and then speak that thing because you have the authority to do it. Are these the two positions of prayer you talked about, we talked about yesterday? Yes. yes. Same thing? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. These are the two positions that you must understand, like when you come before God here, look, the day's over. We need to move past that just because I say, Jesus, that I'm special. <sighs> like, look, God says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The issue is with people is they, they think they know Jesus. They think they know everything about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I, no matter, we have so much to learn. We do. And for me, it only came because I'm so hard headed. Like <laughs> I just got so tired of the cliches. That's why I went to seminary, because I could, the cliches, I wanted to know what that meant. What does it mean that Jesus died for me? Yeah. What does it mean um, that, you know, he took upon himself my sins? I, I, if, if that means something, then I want to know what it means. That's right. And if not, why are we talking about it? Yes. And it's knowing Jesus in a personal way. And Jesus, God, God desires for us to know him in such a way even Philip said, Jesus, just show us the Father, and it suffices. And Jesus said, I've been showing you the Father the whole time. What does that mean? Jesus, Jesus was equally the Father, but Jesus says, at least look at the works. What does that mean? That means we have a duty. Look, I'm not going to preach too much. We have, a, we have our first episode to get into. Uh, look, it's an awesome episode. We're going to cover a lot in this episode. But before we get into this episode, I want Dave to kind of introduce himself. All right. But I want to, before that, even I want you to preach just a little bit more because I want to ask you, um, okay. <laughs> or I want to get your thoughts on something. When I first became a Christian, I'm, I'm exposing myself here. I'm being vulnerable. Yes. I don't like the V word, but um, I didn't. I wasn't, there was something about the name Jesus that disturbed me. Mm -hmm. Now I know looking back that it was because I was trying to appeal around his side and get straight to God mm -hmm. because I was always comfortable with the idea of God, mm -hmm. you know, cause I can't, um, but, but come to find out, um, it was bothering me because I needed to understand it and I finally got there, but, um, I don't know. I wonder if other people think that too. Like there's certainly no do. neutrality with the name Jesus. Look. I think they do. I think a lot of people run into that issue because they said Jesus is like the wise can't understand that because it doesn't make sense. It says to the Jews, it's a stumbling block to, to the Greek. It's foolishness. Yeah. The name of Jesus that this guy lived on this earth and he, and what he did was he redeemed us from the curse and the penalty that sin had to offer. And we, it's our job as citizens of this earth and citizens of God, especially if you claim to be Christian, to, to, to declare that this is true, to know that you know that you know that this, yeah. this, this is true. Walk it out. And here's the thing about it is you're not always going to understand it. Mm. You're not always going to understand Jesus, but it's the spirit that gives light. 
It's a spirit that gives light. It's, it's what's inside of you. I don't want to get too caught in, oh, the spirit, the spirit, like it's some spooky thing in the air. Look, the spirit is what's inside of you. God. You have something inside of you, and you can, everybody can feel it. Everybody can feel that. The, uh, you can feel the emotion of love. You can feel the emotion of hate. You can feel something inside of you that, that directs you to go towards a direction. It's your heart. You also can't prove it. You can't prove it. <laughs> but you know it. But you know it's <laughs> yeah. there. Jesus said, look, I mean, it says in Romans 10, it says, if you, the word is nigh you, even in your heart, it's the word of faith that we preach. But you have to confess what's in your heart. If you confess, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, you should be saved. It's important that we know that there's something in your heart that always draws up to us towards Jesus Christ. And we, me and you have talked about that several times. Yeah, it's calling since I can remember, since I was a kid, just this, and I, th I don't know anybody that doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. Some sort of, there's got to be more. There's Oh, there is. There's a much. Keep more. running it down, and, you know, there's a question. Who hey, is Jesus man. that... <laughs> yeah, but look, look, our podcast is called the Christology podcast, Jesus at the Center, because we're going to make him the center. We're going to make him the circumference. We're going to make him the 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 boundaries. We're going to make him the foundation. We're going to make him everything in our lives because it's important that if you if you're trying to get to the next level in your life, you must know it's going to come through Christ. You must recognize that your stuff that whatever's missing in your life. If you give it to Jesus, if you give it to his ministry, not just Jesus as a man, but the identity of Christ, the authority of Christ, and you learn who Christ is for your own self, you're going to see a change in your life. And that's what we're here declaring loud and clear. Yeah. Amen. I, I mean, yeah. Amen. A amen. few years ago is when it started with us and we've certainly yeah. seen some change. Yeah. We've seen changes. Oh my God. We have so many stories to tell recently of people who have, uh, we have applied the name of Jesus to our prayers. Like... Of course, I've always been playing in Jesus' name for a long time. But you look, you know what? Here's the thing. I've been steadily learning more of Jesus and learning of his identity, learning of his ministry. So I'm more equipped when I pray. A lot of people think that I can pray the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, how is that? How are you going to have? have how are you going to pray? Pray effectually, and that's what it's all all, all about. Praying effective. That's our power. That means power. That's right. That's what that means. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. I, I want Dave to in introduce himself. He's a, he is probably one of the most interesting men I ever met in my life. So, uh, yeah. I'm Dave Nielsen. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ridiculous man. I love the Lord. Um, my gosh. Suicide to red carpet is my life. Suicide to red carpet. Um, literally. Um, just been blessed to to always be shown grace. So grew up in Detroit, became homeless, living in my Ford Granada in February in Detroit. That's why I joined the army. I was cold and hungry. I didn't even know they paid you money, extra money. I, but I did hear they paid or, or fed you and gave you somewhere to sleep. And that's what I wanted. So I joined the army, got popped for minor possession of alcohol on the way into the MEP station. And that changed everything. That's how I became a ranger. I wasn't some dude who thought he was a gunfighter, um, but I was challenged to do that, and I did. And it's funny, it's not even like I was meant for that, mm -hmm. but I had been abused and tormented as a child. Mm -hmm. And what I found was that that became strength. Oh. And I saw bigger, tougher, smarter, stronger guys than me quitting 
and I hurt just like them. And I was ready to quit. And then I saw some, a guy quit and I was like, man, this is just skin on my feet coming off. Mm -hmm. This hurts like heck, but, um, I've been through way worse than this. Mm -hmm. So I kept going and then again and again and again and started to develop an identity and then jumping into combat into Panama at 500 feet in 89 and guys getting shot through the plane. And that <laughs> was, uh, you know, my first Peter prayer, Lord help. <laughs> um, and I couldn't remember my family's names or faces. So I'm getting way off, but, um, lots of army retirement, seminary, coaching football, mm -hmm. seeking the Lord. And only recently, uh, when I met Ty a few years ago, we used to talk about Acts 17 over and over and over and over. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and prayer. And things have changed, and it's because, um, because of, of seeking Jesus. Amen. Dave is a very modest man. A couple other things. Let me tell his story just a little more that I learned. Uh, he was a military consultant in Hollywood and oh, yeah. had a future, had a future doing that. But uh, when, when Acts asked to move forward, he says, you know what, God called him to the seminary and he gave it all up uh, for um, to follow God, to seek God's will for his life. And, you know, he has uh, three beautiful children. I have two kids. They're in college. A uh, little bit little bit about myself, man. I am uh, Minister Ty Phillips. Again, I've been in the ministry over 10 years. I am an author of a book sold exclusively on Amazon, Five Ways to Walk Closer to God. It's something uh, it's awesome. God woke me up with that book. It's, me it's too. A, uh, it's a really good book that I've uh, I applied to my life, and God says, tell more people. Tell people how you overcame, struggled with anxiety, uh, depression, addiction, you know, for over 18 years. And uh, it, I got to the point where I'm still trying to be in the ministry, but I'm still trying to do my thing on the side. And God said, not so. And he tuned me up something, something nasty. <laughs> mm -hmm. He tuned me up, brought me back to his love, brought me back to his loving arms. And he taught me, he, he said, seek my way, seek my way, seek, seek the word. I'm not just going to take this from you. I'm not just going to take the drugs away from you. I'm just not going to take the, the anxiety. I'm not just going to take uh, mm -hmm. the depression. I want you to look in my word and find out how. Find a scripture that make reference to it. And I did. And I did. And God said, now write a book. And I wrote a book. It's very short. Um, but it's, and man, it's my, I put my heart in that book. <laughs> but um, man, so that's me. Let me add two things about you, please. Sure. Since you added some things about of me. Of course. The book. Um, so we're starting a Christology 101 class tomorrow at church. We, we do that on Saturdays, too. That's where the podcast came from. But so we hand out a... Uh, a giant dictionary, like 1,200 pages. It's huge. <laughs> Jesus and the Gospels. Um, and it's all these, this, a scholarly compendium of blah, blah, blah. And then I hand out Ty's book, which is, it takes two hours to read. Yeah. And I'm like, you can pick your, you know, mm -hmm. one's got more material, but they're saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. Look, that book came out of, that book came out of pain, bro. That book came out of like, God, why? God, why? He said, look, look at my word. I mean, I'm at the point now, like, God, why do I keep messing up? I got I to gotta preach tomorrow. I got to do this tomorrow. And then a lot of people don't like hearing that. It's like, what do you mean? You're preaching and doing? Yeah, it was, it was ugly. It was ugly. But God was with me the whole time. And he kept me safe. And he kept me at, look, I didn't go to church trying to be someone I wasn't. But I ministered. And God says, I got, I'm, I'm working on you. And when it was finally time, well, I don't say that to brag. I just say that's people who's going through, there's people who's going through the same thing. I just want to let you know, like, look, 
This is forever my ministry. It doesn't matter where you are, come back to God. It doesn't matter who you are, come back to God. It doesn't matter at what state you're in, just come back to God. Yeah. A lot of people say, hey, look, man, as soon as I stop smoking these cigarettes, I'm going to come back to the Lord. And God's like, no, man, I want you to come back right now. Yeah. And that's like, that was, that's forever my ministry. Mm. The other thing is, uh, Ty, like no other person I know, will say several times throughout the day, well, God told me this. And I've come to know that he, what, what he's hearing is being said because it's almost always not something pleasant for Ty to do. Uh, but he, or it's just a thing. And I just want to tip my hat and my heart to your parents, Joe and Denise, who I barely know, but I'm getting to know yeah. because I don't know if you know, you're starting to know how much knowledge you have in there mm -hmm. that, that it was not a mistake. Yeah. I mean, this is an ordained man of God that I am proud to serve with. I was raised, and I was the second out of four siblings, and uh, my mother and my father, they raised us really tough. You know, my mom lit took the verse literal to train up a child. She used to have us doing Bible studies early in the morning before school. We had scripture, scripture memory. We quoted scriptures before. It's just when I, but look, when I, as soon as I got out of that house, I ran the other way like Jonah. I was like, no, I got to experience this. I had to experience life. And life beat me up pretty bad, but it brought me to the point where I said, you know what, I've got to, um, I got to do what it takes. I got to do what it takes. And God brought me back to where, where he needed me to me. And he brought me back with, not just with uh, his knowledge, but also honestly, and look, this, everybody should say this, this is not me bragging, but he brought me back with his power and strength and everybody should take hold of the power that God has to offer you because God has something special for you. If you just start to use it, here's the thing about it. A lot of people don't know that they can use that. They can utilize what God has to offer. They think it's just enough that look, I'm going to heaven. I ask God to forgive me for my yeah. sins, but God says, take my yoke, learn upon me. Jesus said, greater things shall they do because I go to the father and he gives us the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit guides us to all truth. It's time that we realize and recognize that. Yeah. Please don't get caught in the, you're okay. Cause you're going to heaven because we pray thy kingdom come. Yes. It's coming. It has already started and it, and he's coming and, we need to learn the language now. Yeah, and God has a mission for everybody, which kind of leads us to our episode. You know, we're going to talk about Sergeant First Class Chris Corbett, who was a, an amazing man of God, who did, who did an amazing thing uh, despite the odds that were against him, despite what everybody else was doing. He made a decision to follow God. And before we do, like we're talking about, being active for God. Like everybody has a dream. Everybody has a vision. Everybody has a goal. Everybody has something that they're hoping to God for, that they're wishing for. They have plans from the, from the, from the smallest kid to the, to the oldest adult. You still have something that you're hoping that God can do for you. And God's saying, look, I'm, I need you to move towards it. And even though the situation looks grim, even though it, nobody else is going that way, it's very essential that you do what God has called you to do. From the youngest to the oldest, everybody has a dream, vision, and goal. Everybody, everybody has decisions to make, even if the odds are against you. We're going to talk about a young man uh, named Sergeant First Class, Chris Corbett. And before we start to talk about him, uh, I want to pose a question to our listeners. The question is, are you willing to do what it takes to serve God? Are you willing to do what it takes to seek your true vision, your true goal? 
And if that, if you're willing to do that, I want you to listen to the story of Chris Corbett. We're going to also afterwards, we're going to talk a little bit about how I compared him to uh, the great prophet Elijah. And we're going to go on from there. A secondary question along with this, it goes right with it is how can you know and how can you be prepared to, yes. to handle something like this? Yes. All right. So a little background on this story. Um, Dave was doing a march. Tell him about the march. In 2000, General Shinseki gave the Black Beret to the, that the Rangers proudly wore for generations to the entire army. No dig against the army. It was just a Ranger thing. And so it was a big deal. I was a civilian. I walked from Fort Benning, Georgia to DC to, to protest. 700 miles. Yeah. About 30, well, no, sorry, 25 miles a day. Mm-hmm. Slept outside. Um, yeah, it was a big deal at the time. It was it was fun. So this general was basically allowing every soldier to wear the black beret. He issued it to him. And he we, issued it. Yeah, so our shirts said earned, not issued. Ah, gotcha, you know? gotcha, gotcha. And your whole stance was basically like, look, I, I earned this. Yeah, it'd be like giving flight wings to everybody just yeah. to make them feel good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like participation trophies, kind of. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, so um, now in his journey, in his march uh, to Washington, D.C., he bumps into a young man, uh, ju- junior in high school, Yeah. young man named Chris Corbett. Um, he has um, – he. Honestly, he looks up to Dave. He looks up to his story. He looks up to his stance. He looks up to what he stands for. And he wants to uh, be like him. He actually decided to, to join the army based on, am I, am I correct? Based on me, me and you. At the time, yes. Yes. This, <laughs> this is what was happening in 2000, 2001. As we met, yeah, Chris just came up to me and, oh, shucks, you know, he was a big strapping young lad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but just, oh, I... I thought you were. Uh, I thought you were in mailbox. He always loved telling me that. He thought I was in mailbox when he saw me because I had a big old ruck on. And, um, <laughs> but he's like, "Oh, I can't believe I found you. Would you sign this?" And we we kept in touch. Um, and yes, he thought of me like that. Um, but the tables would end up being turned because yeah. what you were talking, what we were talking about at the beginning, knowing Jesus and knowing of Jesus. I knew of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Chris yeah. knew Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I found that out. It's awesome. Later on. It's awesome. Uh, and it's here we go, guys. Here we go, listeners. What we're trying to, what we're kind of building up here is now Chris Corbett has a vision. He has a dream. He has a goal. He wants to be an army ranger. He wants to, uh, he wants to uh, fight for his country in the most elite way. You know, isn't that you? Don't you think of yourself like that sometimes? I do. I want to be a minister, but I don't just want to be a minister. I just I don't want to just uh, <laughs> peddle the Bible. I don't want to just talk to people about Jesus, man. I want to see the signs, wonders, and miracles. Right. Everybody has their thing that they want to do. I want to pray for people. I want to see the sick recovered. Here we have Chris Corbett, not just wanting to be a, a, a soldier in the army, but he wants to stand on the most elite stage of the of the army and become a ranger. And uh, I've, I, everybody can relate to that. So uh, it ends up after he graduates high school, and Chris, he actually has a degree. Uh, he, has, he did get his bachelor's degree. He's owned, owned several accommodations in the Army, but he actually did go in the Army, and he tried out for the Rangers. What would happen? He tried out. He ended up going in right about the same time that I went back in the Army. After 9-11, I went back in. I went back through RIP, which is, well, it's changed the name now, but used to be called RIP, which is three weeks of you know tryouts, basically. And um, we, so we crossed paths and 
I think I just went through and he went through right behind me and you know, he wanted to be, that's, I was just thinking he wanted to be that. And I didn't, mm -hmm. I just wanted to eat, you know, and, and, <laughs> and drink. Yeah. Really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. but Chris was disciplined and he failed the sit-ups, you know, and, um, just, you know, if you don't do enough sit-ups on one PT test, you're out. Wow. After you get it on your contract and you're dreaming about it for years, he failed the sit-ups and, uh, gosh, I almost did more than once. So, Mm -hmm. Um, yep, that was it. And he got sent off to Korea. Wow. But he met his wife there. Oh, wow. Hey, there it goes. Carolyn. Yep. And he has, uh, how many children does it, children? Two, Elijah and Michaela. Right. And, um, so I'm just thinking God knew, of course, we always say that, of but of course, yeah. And Chris knew that God knew because mm -hmm. he, he didn't stress. I was recently in a situation where someone, my loved one waited a long time to get what God wanted uh that person to get and i looked at them and i said man god was with us the whole time and we just looked at each other we had tears in our eyes god was with us the whole time even then even when the situation seemed grim god was with us the whole time and i want everybody to know let's just stop and say that remember this is about jesus being at the center right no matter what you're going through god is with you he sent his son jesus to walk Walk it out on this earth so that we may be able to receive what God wants for us. We may be able to receive his grace. Look, the grace of God is just his divine nature. I want to just, I want to simplify that. Grace is God's favor. A lot of people say it's his unmerited favor. No, just to take a unmerited <laughs> off. Grace is God's favor that's bestowed upon you. And it's his divine nature. It's his godly nature that's, be that's bestowed upon you to receive whatever you want. Whatever God needs you to have, whatever you're hoping, wishing, and praying for, God says, I got you, but you must access his grace. That's your job to access his grace. Amen. We don't need to worry about merit and unmerit. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's God's business. That's God's business. That's God. Just know that God is looking to bestow his favor upon you. I don't care what you're going to do. If you're under the sound of my voice, from the youngest to the oldest, God, God wants to give you what you need. And just know that. Okay, so back to uh, Sergeant First Class Corbett. Now, he actually, he fails the Ranger test. But, hey, look, he met his wife there. But he actually ended up being a, a chaplain's assistant. And he decided to go into that field, which kind of was right up his alley. He was a Christian. He was raised in a Christian home. And he's something that uh, he kind of took to heart. He took to heart in a... Um, in a very, very, very heroic way. And that brings us to our title. The title, as you can see, is uh, The Baddest Chaplain versus The Baby Dropper, which that poses our main question. Um, another question that we're going to ask, what, what is that question? What would you do and how would you know what to do? Chris, I'll give you a hint. First Corinthians 13. Mm -hmm. It's not the typical, uh, well, love always protects. Nice. Um, there was a baby dropper. I mean, if no, I didn't know that was a thing either until, yeah. until Chris told me about it. And Chris didn't tell me about it until the end of his life. But um, what would you do if someone was hanging yeah. a baby from, my God. By a leg. By a leg. Little girl baby by one leg. And pretty much laughing about it, yeah, and taunting, and you know, and this guy was dropping babies just to just to um, a little bit about this guy. He was a thug, you know, he was warlord, a, a warlord, and what he was doing was taunting everybody. He knew about the rules and of engagement. He knew that we could not exactly. uh, 
act in a certain fashion. But look, put yourself there. I mean, you got a gun by your side. I mean, what would you do if this guy was terrorizing children, women, just just citizens all over the place? Well, we're going to get back there. Let's tell this story uh, from from the angle. Uh, Chris Corbett uh, won. He was awarded the Titus Award, which goes out to uh, chaplains and chaplains' assistants in uh, bravery stuff they do. That's brave in the act of uh, act of duty. I don't know if he won it for this one, but what he did. Um, this took place in where Afghanistan. Yes, Afghanistan. He's with a unit, and tell tell us a little bit about this unit. I don't know much about it, but he's he's with his regular army unit, and you know um, that doesn't. <laughs> let me just say, as you know, I spent my whole career in the Rangers and Delta and blah blah blah, and now okay, that's cool, but that doesn't take anything away from you know. Um, other units and support and it's like everybody functions together just mm-hmm. like the church that's right um you can't do it without so um it's just it's really that and as you mature um you know you realize that but um so it, it was but it was a regular army unit and um they were out and had had encountered this before where the baby dropper was had another baby girl he was again the village warlord a thug a, a bully who had not been confronted just know afghanistan is one of the highest rate has the highest rates of of killing uh female babies infanticide you know? yeah. yeah 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 so that's something that goes on there and, and to to some of us that just seems like it's so horrific and it I mean it is horrific don't don't get me wrong i can't even like when dave told me that story i just i my my mind just disconnected from the story yeah even though i knew the story my brain, I have a baby girl myself. She's in college doing her thing at Western Carolina. And uh, I could not imagine my life without her. You know, I couldn't imagine my life without her. And so this is something that, that you know, I want everybody to kind of just kind of just put yourself in that situation. You're, you're, uh, Chris Corbett is a chaplain assistant, which means his job is solely to protect the chaplain if anything happens. Right. You know, now he's in a situation. Put yourself there. You're seeing something heinous go on. Like in life, in life, every day you walk outside, you see something that shouldn't be. You see something that that's, that's not right. You see something that says, man, I can help out in this situation. And if you're not seeing that, I want, I want you to turn those eyes on. I want you to turn your eyes on to the world. Don't just see the world as uh, me, my four, and no more, as my father used to always say. <laughs> he still says it. Look outside of yourself. Yeah. Protect yours, but look outside of yourself. If there's something that you can do to help, Chris Corbett is sitting there with his, with his, with his unit. He's sitting there. Man comes on the building, and he's he's harassing everybody. He has a a live baby, you know, and he's threatening to uh, a screaming baby, right? And he's and he, threatening yeah. to drop it, drop the baby, and kill the baby right in front of everybody. I can't think of any other job besides chaplain's assistant, just lower down on the echelon, you know, of insignificant jobs. Like it was, it was. Chris probably, I, I think he wasn't even supposed to be on that patrol. Wow. Like, they don't go out on stuff like this. Okay. So let's just go ahead and uh, complete to kind of finish the story. All right. So our our hero, the hero of the story, uh, Chris Corbett, sitting there watching this go on. What what do you think he does? What do you think? 200 people there. 200 you soldiers. Do? You know, pff, I don't know what I would do. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like, man, I, I would have to be in that situation. A lot of people say, oh, I would have done this. I would have done that, but man, kind of, kind of tell them, tell us what uh, what uh, Mr. Uh, Corbett, uh, Sergeant Corbett, decides to do. 
Man, Chris looks around, and I, I believe his daughter, you mentioned your daughter, and I have a daughter, and or a son, or a, a mother. Yeah. We all have mothers and grandmothers. He looks around, and nobody was doing anything. That sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. That sounds yeah. a lot like today. Yes. And tomorrow, nobody's doing anything because nobody knows what to do. And, um, you know, really, it's always been like that. We want to say nowadays, nowadays, now. Yeah. The church has always been on the verge of that's collapse. Right. That's right. And it always will be because that's the way God tests our faith. So there is Chris, and nobody's doing anything. Nobody had done anything the previous time. So the baby dropper thug was getting more and more confident and bold. And he's not only terrorizing the members of his village, he's terrorizing the U.S. Army yes. at this point because they're, they can't do anything. And, and I'm not trying to say that this isn't e- No way am I saying this is a clear-cut answer mm-hmm. or or you know response to this it's not and i i don't hold you know i think you know when chris started to do what he did i i gotta think jesus stood up like he did for stephen because this yeah. was along those lines and you know i mean he's mm, nobody was doing anything so chris did something he shot the guy he shot, shot him, him. <laughs> shot him what did he shoot him at he shot him in the belly he, shot him in the he belly. Gut shot him so that this dude crumpled backwards and the baby safely bounced off of him. Wow. <laughs> What's so amazing here as uh, <laughs> Dave has been on over 600 combat missions and he considers that the best um, war story. Yeah. The best war story he's ever heard. And um, Dave, tell him honestly, let's just kind of switch directions. When, when did he tell you that war story? Oh, my beautiful man, Chris Corbett. God, I miss him. It's almost been five years since since he passed, and his, his birthday is Easter Sunday. Wow. And he would have been 40 years old. Mm. <laughs> Diane and Jim and Geraldine and Elijah, Michaela, I love you guys. I love you guys so much, and I thank you for Chris. Yes. We all thank him. We all thank you for the life that Chris lived. Chris uh, passed away at the age of 35 from skin cancer. Melanoma skin cancer. Yes, and it was something that, you know, on his deathbed, he was able to, and of course we don't say it's a deathbed because he's, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with God. We know that. We know that. So Chris ended his life, ended his time on earth, and he imparted some very important lessons to Dave. What is the one thing that, how did, what did you pose? What question did you pose to him before he passed? Well, he changed my life, and applications can be can start small and be big at the same time. Chris changed my life enough to right there, right after I heard that story. Maybe it was the next day, but to ask him, it, and it was hard for me to even get the courage. I do this. It's, it wasn't courage. It was, it was just lack of ego. Yeah. To ask my man, what advice would you give me? Because Chris had asked me for advice for so many years, yeah. you know, and um, he loved to hear my combat stories, mm-hmm. of which I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And yeah. um, so I asked him his his advice, and he said, "Well," and I part of me thought he was going to hold back because he always did. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "You know, the big things are cool, the you know, Hollywood and this and that, but." Um, you know, the small things are what matter. Now, um, you had been to Hollywood. 
Yeah, it, it, that was yeah. all done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing about Dave, Dave was on the. Uh, and this is uh, hilarious to me, by the way. Like, yeah. I don't say this arrogantly yeah. or like, how cool is this? This is like almost like a joke God pulled on me. Yeah. He was in a <laughs> docu documentary. Yeah. You can see on HBO Max called War Dog. War Dog, Soldier's uh, Best Friend. Yeah. And it's produced by Channing Tatum uh, himself. However, um, yeah, Dave decided, Dave has done a lot of big stuff. He's done a lot of uh, stuff that gained a national audience. However, what Chris Corbett told him was... Yeah, it's the small things, small things that matter. And, you know, Chris didn't even... His parents were there, and they're the ones that... And his sisters, Bethany and Lisa, I believe their names, and JR's brother, were prompting him... Um, Hey, tell that story, Chris. And he was, you know, well, You've all right. Never heard that story. No, and I lived with him. He he uh. let me live in his house as I was going through a divorce. Wow. So that came out, and and just wow. Man, that just goes to show you, man. It's just like a lot of people, a lot of people got these big dreams of grandeur, and it's okay to have those dreams. I have them too. But you must start with taking care of, of those people around you. I've yeah. always learned that, like, you always got to start with the small stuff. Be a good father. Be a good, be a good mother. Be a good son. Be a good daughter. Be a good friend. I had to learn those principles. I've always had dreams of grandeur, but my addicted mind was always saying, you know, out of sight, out of mind. If you can't see me, I can do whatever I want. But, guys, I'm trying to tell you something. This is true. God sees you. God sees you, and he loves you. Don't get it wrong. A lot of people say God sees you, which means God is striking down lightning bolts on you. God is wooing you back into his presence. You must know that. But you must know if you want to get if you want to please God, start with those people around you. Start with those people around you. Me and Dave, we, we probably prayed for maybe 10 people this this week solely, way more than that. But prayer, just just let's pray for them. Let's pray. Let's pray for our, our boy Curtis. Let's pray for Brian. Let's pray for Candace. Let's pray for uh, my nephew. Let's pray for people. Let's pray to make sure that we access, like before we pray for Brian, it was like, hey, let's give God a chance in this situation. Let's pray the prayer of faith. Jesus let's, at the center. Jesus at the center. And that reminds me of the verse in Hebrews 3.1. It says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Yeah. And that's important that in everything you do, first of all, Proverbs 3 says, acknowledge God. But Hebrews 3 says to consider Christ in everything we do. That means get to know him. Get to know him. Get to know him. Get to know what he does. Get to know how he does. And I asked, what does that mean? I, I, I asked people, and nobody had an answer because there isn't an answer for me from somebody else. Gotcha. Gotcha. There's the answer I get when I go before God finally mm -hmm. and say, God, um, people keep saying I have to have a relationship with you. And I don't know what that means because you're not here right now yet. Yeah. I sort of feel like you are because... And then I open up, and the more I pray next day, next day, and talk to people about it and start to see changes, yes. then I realize that I'm getting to know Jesus. And, and, and talk about careful what I pray for now. Yeah, yeah. And just know that God is with you, and God will appear in your situation. And when he appears, sometimes you can't do nothing but bow your head. When, uh, when it, this miracle, I had a great miracle happen to me uh, last week. I'm not ready to share about it yet, but it happened to someone in my family. 
I just bowed my head. I just, of course, I went outside and screamed first. <laughs> but then there was a moment where I just bowed my head. And it was just like Jared said in The Chosen. He's like, all I can say is thank you. Yeah. All I can say is thank you. I have nothing else to say but thank you. However, look, we're going to get, uh, I want to talk about Chris Corbett in the, in the context of someone in the Bible who I can definitely compare him to. And that is a prophet, Elijah. It's crazy that he has a son named Elijah. Dave told me that before. I said, man, he reminds me of Elijah before the 450 prophets. He was like, that's funny. His son's name, Elijah. And that was his favorite Bible character. Oh yeah. Obviously it was because he was operating out of the spirit of Elijah. Yeah. I don't want, look, I just, whenever I say spirit of somebody, I just don't want everybody to get spooky about it. What I'm saying is he worked in the likeness of Elijah. You know, John the Baptist was one who worked in the spirit of Elijah. How did John Baptist work in the spirit of Elijah? He says that he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children mm. and the children back to the father. And so, yeah, exactly. And so you're like, so when did, when did, and the person who is going to kind of look into those stories said, when did Elijah turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, to God? When did he do that? And it's in first Kings, first Kings 18. First Kings 18, when Elijah came to Ahab and said, look, gather the 450 prophets of Baal. And what I'm going to do, we're going to find out who's God. We're going to find out who's God. And let's just look, think of Chris Corbett and his situation. There's a whole bunch of people around trying to figure out what they should do, what to do. A lot of people have even decided that they're going to do whatever um, their commander, whatever, whatever the say, you know what, this is their culture, you know what, I'm not going to do nothing, even though a, a, a real life baby is dying, it's not, it's not on me, it's not on me. But Elijah took it upon himself. He called, he told Ahab to call the 450 prophets of Baal. They dressed two cattle, and they said, look, look, let's see who's God. Let's see who God, if Baal is God, let's serve him. But if God is God, let's serve him. And here's what happened. When the prophets of Baal, they were calling, they were calling on their God to rain fire down on heaven. Of course, Elijah's kind of uh, taunting them a little bit. <laughs> and it got to the point where they couldn't do it. From sun up to sundown, they could not get their God to rain fire down on their sacrifice. And I love, starting from the verse 30, I love what Elijah did. The first thing he did is told the key people to come near come near so all the people came near him and then he repaired the altar it's very important this day that we elijah decided that he's going to do the right thing in the midst of everything he decided that i'm going to do i'm going to serve god i'm going to represent god at the time elijah thought he was the only one out of everybody representing god kind of like chris felt but here but then elijah found out that there were seven thousand other prophets so we built the altar he rebuilt the altar that was broken down. Mm-hmm. And guess what happened? God rained down. Didn't he fire. soak it with water? He soaked, yes, of course. He soaked it with water. Three times. Three times he soaked it with water with a little trench around it too. And God, you know, God rained fire down from heaven. This almost reminds me of Peter mm-hmm. walking on water. Mm-hmm. The way the chosen did it, it's like he was ready to die. Yeah. And sometimes that's a good point to get to. Yeah. I believe so, too. Getting to the point where it's like, God, I believe you. I believe you are who you are. Elijah had no doubt that God was God. As a matter of fact, uh, it was, it was, there was a drought. 
there was a drought and Elijah called rain. Elijah said that it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. He told King Ahab that. But what the point that I'm getting at is like, man, consider your own life. Consider where you are in your life. It's like, you know, have you ever walked into a mall and you're looking for the food court? When you look into that map, the first thing you say, it says you are here. <laughs> you are here. So you know how to get to the food court. I want you to find out. I want you to look at your life from where you are and say and see that sign. You are here. Where am I at? If your eyes and your ears are open or inclined to become more. And matter of fact, he's asking you to act yeah. even if nobody else acts. Because what you're doing is saving lives. Amen. I was just thinking, I've had five years to digest all this. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm just now getting around to doing something. Yeah. You know, it takes time to digest. Time. But, yeah, it gets to that point where I'm ready to step out of the boat. I'm ready to get busy living or get busy dying. That's right. And at the end of the day, we don't know the story of that, that baby. We don't know the story of the baby, but I guarantee that God had a mission for that baby. God has a mission for all of us. And here's the thing. That baby didn't die because of Sergeant First Class Chris Corbett. And so we honor him. We honor his life. We honor his family today because he decided to act when everybody else decided that they're not going to act. And so what does that mean for us? We're going to look at our lives we're going to look at our lives and say, what areas have I been not given to God? What areas can I step up in? What areas can I say, you know what? I'm going to follow God this time. I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to fall into sin. I'm not going to fall into my flesh. I'm going to follow God, even if anybody, every, even if everybody else is not. Amen? Amen. And it's fun. I mean, this is living to me. Like now I'm living because I'm trusting. I'm moving my faith. Amen. Faith's got to move. It's not up here. Faith yes, it's here, move. it's here, but it's got to move. Amen, amen, amen. So, look, we're going to end this session. Congratulations, we made it through our first episode. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, look, let's go ahead and end with a prayer. Dear Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We're full of thanksgiving, Lord. Lord, we're full of your mission, God. It's your holy mission, Lord, to reach people, to reach the lost, to reach the people who need guidance, getting back into the arms of God. So, Lord, we come forward into your arms, God, only through the blood of Jesus, only because we believe in the blood of Jesus. Through your name, Jesus, that's, enough, that's above every name. That, at that name, every knee shall bow mm -hmm. in heaven and earth, even under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that you're Lord to the glory of the Father. Lord, we impart grace and peace. Lord, I lift up Elijah Corbett, Michaela yes. Corbett, and Geraldine, Chris's wife, Diane and Jim. Bless and protect and comfort this family, Lord God, Bethany, Lisa, and JR, Chris's family. Lord, I lift up the listeners, the viewers out there yes. now who this has touched a little bit, and I pray that you uh, reach into their heart and... Give them a direction, Lord, and let them know that that, uh, that voice they're hearing is you. They've suspected it all this time, and, and let them know, Lord God, that it's you, because that's how you talk to us. Still, small voice, Lord, we learn to trust. We thank you so much, Lord God, that you are real. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Amen. Amen.